bonus So Money episode with Carrie Schwab Pomerantz, certified financial professional and president of the Charles Schwab Foundation. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Educate our kids when it comes to money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Today is a special bonus episode, part of a four part series we're doing with Charles Schwab, where we're doing deep dive conversations around really important financial topics. Earlier this month, we spoke with Lizanne Saunders, Chief Financial Strategist at Charles Schwab, about her perspectives on the stock market, where we headed, also important steps for first time investors. If you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. Today, we're shifting gears to financial literacy, especially when it comes to our kids. It's no secret that as a nation, we're a little behind when it comes to knowing just the basics about how to manage money, how to budget. Our guest today is Carrie Schwab Pomerantz, a CFP and president of the Charles Schwab Foundation. She and I will discuss ways to teach our kids about money throughout the ages, how to support financial literacy in schools, and the money lessons she's instilled in her three children. As many of you know, I'm working with Charles Schwab to help spread financial literacy to the masses, and it's been a really great collaboration so far. I'm a Charles Schwab customer, have been for many years. So before we get started, just want to thank Charles Schwab for helping get this financial education content to you. All right, here we go. Here's Carrie Schwab Pomerantz. Carrie Schwab Pomerantz, welcome to So Money. It's really an honor to connect with you after so many years of following your work and being a Schwab customer. Welcome. Thank you, Farnoosh. Of course, we follow you too and, <laughs> and love the fact that you're out there, you know, imparting great knowledge to in particular young women. Well, thank you so much. So, Carrie, you come from a very famous family, um, an important business, uh, which is uh, obviously Charles Schwab. And there you are a CFP and president of the Charles Schwab Foundation. I want to talk a lot about your initiatives and advice that you have for families as they pass on good financial lessons and advice to their kids. That's a huge question that comes up a lot on this show. But I'd love to go back to you as a child growing up in the Schwab family. That was quite, uh, I guess, a, a, pur- a purview, a perspective, an experience. And did you always think that you would enter the family business? I mean, did you feel like you even had a choice? <laughs> um, so, Farnoosh, a lot of people, you know, just assume that I grew up with this very successful man. But in fact, my dad was a struggling businessman for most of my childhood. And he didn't really co- become the Charles Schwab that people know until well into my 20s. And, um, but I do remember. He, you know, um, Schwab was just a startup and I was 16 years old, you know, just old enough, right, to legally work. Of course, I had worked um, a lot of other odd jobs before, but he asked me to come work for the summer and um, 
I was basically a file clerk. You know, I got people coffee and filed papers and answered phones. And I remember the company being only maybe two rooms. You know, one room was, you know, a big open room with um, different, you know, sort of old desks floating around where my dad and his president and so forth um, team would sit. And then next door was a, a conference room, not too big, with a big oval table. And there was financial consultants or brokers, we called them, around the table with black rotary phones. And then Henrietta with the bouffant in the corner, um, switching in, you know, she was a switchboard operator switching in the phone calls. So, but, but anyway, so long, long time ago. And, um, it was, you know, later after, um, college that, um, I came back to Schwab, um, and it was, just as Bank of America was buying it and fueling capital into it. And it, and Schwab had its first internship for recent college graduates. And there was about, I think, 15 of us. And um, most of the young, you know, the young interns went on to jobs in headquarters. But I remember my dad saying to me, Carrie, if you really want to understand the business, you really need to go out in the field um, serving clients and understand clients' needs. So that's what I did. And so most of my career or half of my career was out there serving clients um, and helping them with their investments. He sort of kicked you out of the nest and was like, go out, explore the world, you know, learn, learn the business. Uh, that, that was pretty good advice. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I feel, I feel really good about that because not, you know, not everybody does understand the clients and, and that's really, you know, kind of what we're all, mm -hmm. what we're all about. And um, my dad, you know, starting out with stuffing, um, advertising, you know, what we called leads and marketing material. He, you know, he started from the ground level too. So, um, so it's definitely a unique understanding and, and a sense of empathy that you have for people and their money. And I think that's, what's really kind of helped me. And obviously, you know, growing up, um, um, you know, as a as a child who had you know multiple jobs and and always worked, um, uh, you know, really understand the meaning of money and and um, how it fuels our our confidence and our independence. And I understand that's a big part of how you're trying to teach your family, your kids, financial literacy. You have three grown children now, but I suppose yes. when they were young, there was a, a lot of emphasis on working. Um, what are some other good money habits that you think um, all families can can practice to really help shape their kids might you know create healthy mindsets around money yeah I don't I don't think you know it's ever too young to start you know looking for ways to introduce money to your children. I mean, let's, you know, let's face it, we do live in a culture of a lot of spending and um, there's this sort of competition among kids and, you know, what they own and buy and so forth. So I'm a big believer in starting early. So with my own kids, I started with a, an allowance at an early age and, um, you know, five, six years old. And, and I remember my youngest daughter, I, so I have two boys and, and a daughter and um, the youngest is, yeah, the girl 
girl. And I remember I started giving her a dollar a week. And I think she, I can't remember she was now four or five years old. And I started finding the dollar floating, you know, sitting on the, on the coffee table. So then I realized, you know what, she's a little young for, for an allowance, um, you know, because she wasn't, you know, taking care of it and being responsible for it. So I think it kind of depends on that. But I have to tell you a cute story because allowance is really the first um, time that young, you know, that children learn the value of money and, um, you know, and experience money, right? They're not going to get jobs and so forth. So I remember when my son was, my middle son was seven years old and I was, I, you know, brought him with me into the local pharmacy. I had to pick something up. And of course I made the strategic mistake of walking down the aisle with the toys. And you know how it is, Farnoosh, with young little kids, they want so badly to buy, you know, one of the toys or they want to sit there and and check them out and so forth. And, and, um, so he, you know, is sort of pleading with me to buy these Pokemon cards. And, um, and my first reaction was to just buy them, right? Because I was in a hurry and wanted to get out. But I thought that was a terrible message. And, And his name's Wynn. And I said, and I looked at him, I said, Wynn, you have an allowance now. You can buy them yourself. And he's a little redhead. He's a little redhead, freckle face kid. And he's looking at me, and I could just see his mind spinning. And he's thinking, and he said, "You know, I think I'll pass." <laughs> and yeah, and so you know, I realized at that point that he was, you know, putting value on money. And of course, he was thinking in his mind that his money was more valuable than my money. And uh, so anyway, so allowances, there's all sorts of wonderful ways to get them to start, you know, spending or, or using it and, and placing value on it. And, um, and uh, anyway, so it's a great experience. And that's kind of how I started. And then, of course, as the children get older, you know, you start thinking about other concepts of budgeting and um, saving and, and introducing them to banking and investing and credit cards and so forth. With going back to allowances, often I, I hear a question about my kids are too young, so I'm also asking the question when they're ready. What do you tie the allowance to? I've I've heard a lot of different uh, theories and ideas around this. Like some people, some families are like it's perfectly fine to just tie it to chores, and others say tie it to grades or you know tie it. I love this. Tie it to your children um, finding almost like job opportunities around the house that that's out of the norm. Like, Hey mom, let me help you like organize your file cabinet and I want to make this much. And they try to negotiate, you know, some sort of rate, which is teaching entrepreneurship more or less. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember a friend of mine saying to me, you know, um, parenting is nothing but cutting deals. Um, And I thought that was hilarious. Uh, You know, I, I personally feel that, uh, an allowance should not necessarily be tied to chores. And what I mean, I mean chores that the, that your children should be doing anyway, whether it's making their bed, you know, do, you know, helping with the dishes, um, you know, just, you know, keeping their room clean, the basics. I think that's just a, you know, responsibility that we all have to the family, um, you know, as, as, as sort of a team effort. But I, you know, I, I think it's a great when the, you know, your children come to you and say, Hey, can I wash your car, you know, and make some extra money? I think, I think that's, I think that's wonderful as, as well. But I do think the chores thing, um, or even grades, you know, I, 
I, I don't think there's anything wrong with grades, but I wouldn't make that the only thing, you know, again, and I think it's, you know, it's nice to maybe create rewards and so forth, but, but the chores, I just feel like as a family, that's just, you know, that's teaching them responsibility and respect. Right. And being a, a committed member of the family. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about financial literacy in this country or the lack of financial literacy. It's no secret that we could do better as a whole. I think it's really hard to teach, frankly. I mean, it's it's sometimes this, these money concepts are a little too abstract. And then you've got teachers at school, for example, that are like, I'm not equipped to really teach this. And so what, what do you see, though, because you're really on the front lines what are the challenges that that prohibit us from really getting our country um, more knowledgeable? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's so many factors going on here, and you know, as you mentioned, you know, the, the, my life's work has all been always been about financial literacy and giving people the skills, the knowledge, the confidence to basically manage their money and. Um, you know, have the life that they, that they want to have. And I feel that financial literacy, you know, basic money management concepts from living within your means, you know, budgeting, saving, and investing for the future and knowing when something too, is too good to be true are just something that we all need to understand no matter, you know, our, our backgrounds and so forth. And as you know, as you mentioned, what I've learned th- through my work you know, in many years is that the lack of financial literacy in this country cuts across Americans from all walks of life. It is blind to socioeconomic status, uh, to age, to gender. And it's, and it's unfortunate. And I, and I do believe, you know, lots of reasons, lots of reasons, you know, we just saw an article about that bankruptcy among people 65 and older is three times what it used to be. And a lot of that has to do with, I mean, obviously there's life circumstances. We just had the great recession, but I'm a big believer through my, you know, through my programming for boys and girls club um, or, or AARP for working poor over, over 50 that people can find a way to save and put money away. But, but what's happening, what, what has happened is, is that we, in the old days, uh, companies provided pensions for us. So they saved, they saved the money, put the money aside, they invested it so that when, you know, employee retired, they had, you know, a safety net. We don't really have that anymore. And so today, baby boomers and younger, sort of, it just sort of crept on us that we not only have to save our own money, but we have to know how to invest it. And we don't, and, and there's, and, and no one has been there to teach us. You, know, you alluded to the fact that schools don't talk about money. Families don't talk about money. Um, and, and, and historically, neither does work at the workplace. Now, some of that's all starting to slowly change, which is a good thing. And then you put on top of that is that, I mean, let's face it, the financial world continues to get more and more complex. So, you know, I think we do need sort of a rallying cry as a nation um, to bring all institutions to play and and make this, you know, a responsibility that we all, you know, take on for ourselves. 
Right. It's a collaborative effort because sometimes I think, you know, it can get, we can get very defensive. Like, well, it's not my responsibility. I'm busy as a parent. It's really, I'm sending my kids to school. They should be educated there. Then the schools are saying, no, this is not our responsibility. And then what happens is, you know, I work with a lot of, uh, you know, young adults and um, they're just, you know, I feel so sorry for them because a lot of them are graduating with student loans um, and they're not even sure how much they owe or and how to pay it back and they don't ever remember having a money conversation with anyone. And I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity. Um, What's some good news on that front though? Like what are some, what's some positive momentum that might be building in the financial literacy world that you feel like in 10, 15 years, we could be in a better place. Are we moving towards a better place? I think so. I think, you know, it, it's, it's incremental. I was telling someone the other day, it's, it's like my tennis game. You know, you take some lessons, and it's, <laughs> you know, your, 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 your backhand just incrementally improves, right? It's not going to just all of a sudden be a, you know, a star set backhand. Um, and, and I do see, I do see some improvement, you know, since I've been working on this, I'll, I'll just share a few things. Um, uh, now there's 17 states that require personal finance embedded in current, you know, into other, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, class classes, you know, such like economics and, and math. There's now seven states that mandated it as a standalone. Uh, just recently in a study we just conducted, families are now more openly talking about money by the way, more than sex and drugs. Um, that was not the case when I was working on that, you know, been working on this. That's, that's recent news, which is good news. You know, we've got to start talking more about it. And then the other, you know, place that I, I really start to see um, improvement is a, a lot of workplaces, employers are realizing that their employees are retiring without this, you know, without any safety net. So they feel this sense of responsibility. I know that, um, you know, corporations who are clients are asking us more and more to provide uh, workshops and, you know, websites and all sorts of content to help their employees. So that's, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction, but unfortunately, I think we have, need to go a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, like, could we have this yesterday? That would be great. Thanks. Yeah, Bye. exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we, I got a question once on this show about what are some resources for kids, for, fam- for really for parents to give to their kids to talk about money, to kind of start the conversation um, rather than waiting for like a moment uh, that your kid brings up that, you know, there's a way for you to preact, be proactive. I just ordered this book once and Two Cent, Old Sense, New Sense by Dr. Seuss for our four-year-old. And he's not in love with it as much as like, you know, the Lorax or Cat in a Hat, Cat in the Hat, but um, but it, we're going to get there. So what do you like in terms of teaching kids about money and sort of like apps, tools, resources, books? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, well, so I didn't really, I don't, I don't, I don't really have access to some of those books that you're talking about when when they were young. I mean, I have to tout the you know the SchwabMoneyWise.com website, which has um, all the information you need. And in fact, it's a website that we created for you specifically to help parents raise money wise kids. And we realized that. Um, 
there were so many people, not just parents wanting to teach their kids, but so many people who needed this resource. So we expanded it for everybody. But we do have a section on raising money wise kids. And I think some of the best, um, con- the best concepts and tools uh, are, are teaching your kids. Um, and this is not going to be for a four year old, by the way, but it could be, you know, if you, put, you know, showing them the power of compound growth, you know, if you put this much money away, a dollar a day, you know, or, I mean, a dollar or whatever a week or whatever and say this is how much money interest you make on it and you can start seeing your money grow and I think the whole notion of compound growth is very um, rewarding and exciting for young people and and I remember you know I used to use the example of you know if you save a if you save a penny one day and then you double two pennies the next day and then you know four pennies I, I can't remember it was like within a month's time it turns into 10 million dollars so uh, yeah something like I can't remember been a while since I used that example, but we'll have to get off the calculator. Um, but anyway, so, so, so Schwab Money Wise has great tools like saving, like I said, savings calculator, debt calculator. Um, oh, here's another one, um, uh, say, uh, spending tracker. So just, you know, getting young people aware, I think, and also obviously being good role models as parents is really important. Let's take our listeners through the ages uh, as, as someone who might be a parent wondering, okay, I have a four-year-old. Now I'm going to someday she's going to be 12, then she's going to be 18. So maybe some advice for the, the different age groups. Um, we just talked a little bit about little kids, you know, some of the books you can give them uh, or read to them. Um, I also feel like when you go to school, that's when you really start to um, get some context around the financial world where your friends are wearing certain brand name clothing or you go to uh, play dates and you're kind of like, wait, they have a pool? I don't have a pool. Um, And so, you know, it's it's just normal and natural for kids to start questioning uh, these differences. And so how do you as parents, especially if you're like in New York City where there's so much excess, um, really give your kids uh, some grounding when it comes to money? You know, I so so you know, I, you know, I'll, you know, raise my kids in the Bay Area and the San Francisco Bay Area also, and there's a lot of pressure, right? As you mentioned, you know, a lot of excess, a lot of pressure to have the next best shiny object. You know, I, I so, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up with family that, you know, was, just, like I said, my dad was struggling, my parents divorced, there wasn't a lot of money. You know, I always worked since I was 13 years old, whether it was babysitting, I even, you know, house cleaned, I, um, you know, had a paper route. And I just, those are, I mean, not only just the work ethic um, um, and putting money aside to me, I, I'm proud of that. And so that's what I've been trying to instill on my own kids and, and studying it also, not just as a parent, but just as somebody who cares deeply about it and want to have impart this information on other families, that it's really important not only to show or, or teach the mechanics, you know, like I mentioned, you know, the allowance and placing value on money is the very first, you know, um, sort of concept for a young person to learn. Um, but, but just, um, but just all, you know, the, the mechanics and, and your values, your money values, what's important to you. And again, I think it's how you live and, and, and how you, and, you know, you talk about your values, you know, and for me and every family's different, you know, I don't mean to preach by any means, but for me, it was about, um, self-worth, not net worth. 
And um, I just kind of stood my stood my ground. And, and certainly I felt sort of pressure, too. I remember when my daughter was crying to me again, you know, because her friend just got a new pair of roller skates. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, boy, do I just succumb to this? You know, but at the same time, I kind of wanted her to have roller skates, right? It's good exercise. It's fun. I grew up with roller skates. So I cut a deal with her where I said, why don't I pay for half and you pay for half? So, so there's, there's some of that, but you know, I can, do you, do you want me to, I mean, I, I could probably spend the whole hour finished, <laughs> you know, talking about different, different ages, yes. but, but I, but I will, if we want to jump, let's just jump a little bit and yeah. we can talk more about it to teen. I, when young people, so, so what I did with my own kids is I made them, you know, save money. You know, they, when they get a little older, they don't, they start not getting uh, toys, right? The grandparents aren't sure what to get them. So they start giving them small checks and so forth. And so I had took my kids each as they turned about 10 years old to the local bank, um, made them come. I didn't go open up the account myself. I made them come, you know, meet the, the banker, sit down and fill out, help fill out the paperwork. And, um, um, and then open up the, the bank account. And, and I did the same by the way, when they were 12 and they, they saved enough money that I took them to the Schwab office. Again, have them meet with the financial consultant, fill out the paperwork, and learn about some of the basics of investing and actually, you know, starting to invest. And uh, I, I think that's just it's one particular hurdle for people. It feels very intimidating, you know, the financial world, especially investing. And so if we could just expose young people that as soon as possible, they will feel far more comfortable as they, you know, grow up and, you know, become adults and so forth to, to, you know, ask for help, um, you know, work with a financial institution and actually invest for their future. So exposure is another big, is another big opportunity. Well, speaking of exposure, sometimes parents worry about too much exposure, especially when their 12 year old is like, how much money do you make mom? Uh, are we rich? And so when you get those unexpected or uncomfortable questions from your kids, what should a parent's reaction be? You know, so I don't remember my kids actually ever asking me how much money I made, but I do remember when my son said, Mom, you know, I can't remember the, one of our neighbors, the Smiths, they're really rich. You know, and I said, yeah, they probably are, you know, <laughs> and just kind of let it go. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's great to talk about money for sure and talk about it in general terms. You know, we are comfortable, but we have to save, you know, um, you know, we're comfortable, we're comfortable, but we have to, you know, make choices. And, and I think those are, you know, whether you can, you know, whether that's true or not, things are really, I think they're just good messages personally. And, you know, some people might say I'm lying to my children, but, but I, um, uh, you just never know where life is, is going to, going to bring you. So, so I think it's later in life, you know, maybe when children are in their thirties and you want to start thinking about passing on wealth or telling them what you have, but, you know, so they can prepare, you know, for adulthood when they're responsible and mature and they can handle it, you know, but, but, um, uh, I, I'm not one for telling your kids how much you, <laughs> you earn, but, but passing on your, again, your values and the money, 
um, you, you know, the nuts and bolts. Yes, yes. And maybe saying like, hmm, what makes you curious? I have um, learned, I did a story about this for Money Magazine a while ago. And one of the things that I learned that I included in the story was that, you know, you get these uncomfortable questions rather than thinking, oh gosh, I have to come up with some kind of answer and fast. Yeah. Answer the question with a question. You know, like, so what makes you curious? Like actually get from them what uh, prompted the question, because it may, may, they may be actually asking something else, you know, maybe they're just like concerned that the family has quote unquote enough money, right? You you know, and so you kind of get to the source of it and then you can, you can feel better about having that conversation. Yes. And, you know, I I tell you, so we we just conducted a a survey of young people, 16 to 25. These were young people, you know, these are people on the cusp of independence. And I know you're talking about somebody um, younger, but for those of us who, you know, have a little bit older children, these young people, you know, like a 16 year old today was six years old during the Great Recession. And 80% of these young adults said that they watched their parents or witnessed their parents endure financial struggles. So, so 80%, that's almost all young people. And we don't really think about that. Right. And so you're and so I think, I think your idea of a question with a question is, is really spot on and smart because, because they probably were really concerned and scared. Right, right. Maybe they heard something at school or, you know, they, they heard someone's parent yeah. lost a job and they just want to know, like, yes. we're going to be okay. Um, yeah, or had to move. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I was a teenager, I had a, a couple of jobs and my mo- I remember my father, as soon as I got my first paycheck, he was like, we're opening up a Roth IRA. And I was like, what is that? Yep, yep. <laughs> Why are you making me do this? But I still have that Roth IRA. It's kind of become this, um, this thing that I can't contribute to it anymore, but I, it's like one of my earliest financial achievements. And I'm so glad. I mean, it's a few thousand dollars and who, who knew that at like 16, I could even save that much money in my teens. Um, Is that still, that was years ago. Do you think that's still something that parents should insist upon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, a couple things with, so with my, with my teens, a a couple things about, about money. So, um, you know, 16 years old or, you know, their first real job where they get a W-2, all three of my children, again, part of the experience is then going back and opening up their Roth IRA. Roth IRA, which is a custodian account. You know, a parent has to be a custodian because they're under 18 years old. And again, it's a wonderful opportunity to start talking about retirement. And it sounds so boring, so far away, but if we could make it again, just sort of a a habit, right? Habitual, something we don't even think about saving for our future, our old age right away, then it's not so cumbersome, you know, going um, you know, as you become into adulthood. So it's a wonderful opportunity to start um, teaching your children to put money away and to invest. And I just, you know, I hope your dad also, you know, taught you about investing and investing doesn't have to be about, it should not be about the hot stock. You know, I have all my, I have young people um, and I have my own kids go into broad-based ETFs. Uh, you know, exchange traded funds that represent the broad market. And I have to tell you a little story about my, my dad. When I um, just got out of college or, I mean, I, you know, I was, had my first job and um, the IRA, I, I saved in my IRA. It was my first time of putting money away. 
And I called my dad and I asked him, you know, what, how should I invest it? And of course, I thought he would give me the, you know, the hot tip of the day. You know, that's what I was hoping for. And he said, Carrie, just invest it. Pick a couple of, of mutual funds, equity funds. You know, just pick a few. I mean, he wasn't even giving me really any guidance. And, and you'll be fine. And so I was a little irritated by it, but I did it. And I realized, you know, today being in the you know, business as long as I've been and, you know, that the power of investing and, and the power of investing over the long term and participating in the markets, that's what he was trying to get me exposed to. And he was spot on. So it's about participating in the market, I think, for, for young people and for all of us. Right. Just get in, get in early. That's one thing. Yeah. That no one's ever like in their 60s and they're like, I wish I started investing later in my life. No, <laughs> no. no. Um, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on So Money and for um, giving us all these great stories, personal stories. I really love that you kind of like took from your own life to talk about lessons learned and how families can uh, just, you know, make the most of these financial complexities that may come up uh, with their kids. But it's, um, I think we over, we make it harder than it is. Like, it's really not that hard. Just like you said, talk about your, your values, emphasize, you know, what your goals are as a family, incorporate some resources here and there, and just keep that dialogue going. I know that Schwab has also some great resources for parents and guardians and young people who want to make financial decisions, smart financial decisions. Mind sharing that with us? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I was going to, I was going to share with you, you know, we talked about schools and, you know, teaching our kids. What I wanted to um, share with your listeners is that we are a national partner with donorschoose.org, which is a crowdsourcing nonprofit uh, to help teachers pay for supplies, uh, for field trips, extra tools and kits, and we are uh, paying for or or, or um, for half of any financial literacy project that a teacher asks for. So you know, and we're also matching um, the cost of professional development for teachers. So we are trying to do our part in terms of uh, helping the uh, the school systems. Uh, teach our our children. So I, you know, I just want to um, let everybody know that that this is an opportunity for your children's schools uh, and teachers to participate in and have access to some funding for financial literacy. I love Donors Choose. It's so great. And yeah, you can go on and find so many great different campaigns, mini campaigns, Mm -hmm. big scale campaigns that teachers are trying to implement. Um, I think that, you know, as you said earlier, it's even though sometimes teachers feel like they don't have the resources or the equipment or even the knowledge to educate, like, let's make it a collective affair. Like, let's support them and then we can all take the credit. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, so this is professional development for the teachers. So no excuses, right? Right. They can learn how to do it. They can learn for themselves, you know, and and apply it to their own lives, but then also impart it on the the kids. Carrie, thank you so much again, and uh, hope you have a great rest of your summer. Thanks, Pranush. I hope you have a great summer, too. 
For more, check out Schwab Money Wise, which is a comprehensive and unbiased source of financial education, guidance, and interactive tools. You can go to schwabmoneywise.com. If you missed any of this, don't worry. Just head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can download the transcript, the audio. You can also leave me a question for the Friday episodes of So Money. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.